Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. With VMware. Free your employees to work more securely from anywhere. Visit exertis.ie forward slash VMware. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, we have a special program from Chicago and Boston as part of Ireland Gateway to Europe. I'll sit down with the companies flying the Irish flag abroad and working to secure foreign direct investment for the country. Plus, we'll chat to Enterprise Ireland about the work they're doing here in the States. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. Uh, it has been an incredible week. As you'll be able to hear, I am not in the News Talk studio. I'm actually sitting in an office block in Boston. I'm in the Back Bay area of Boston. Uh, I have been here all week with Kieran Cudahy and the team from The Hard Shoulder meeting some of the incredible ambassadors for Ireland who are taking part in the Ireland Gateway to Europe trip. Uh, we're going to meet some of them a little bit later on in the show, but just before we came on air, I was talking to Aidy McGuinness of Sigmar Recruitment, who is one of the central figures of Ireland Gateway to Europe, and he explained the mission to me. Well, it was to enhance the transatlantic bilateral Irish-US relations. We said mainly from a business side, but we cannot get away from the cultural and political and just the energy from both sides, like from our group, from the Ireland Gateway to Europe group, uh, but particularly from the, the Americans we've met. I think we met two, over 250 CEOs. I'm guessing by my maths, that's like 12,000 potential interactions. And as Bertie Hearn just said in there, there was probably more deals done in the bar last night uh, just by those reactions. So it's been great. It's been, this is the 10th year of it, I know, uh, but it's been great to do a post-pandemic and create that buzz again. And people are excited to see people in, in real life. How much business is done? Like, does it happen in the bar, as Bertie said? Does it happen at these interactions? It is important to have that human connection. It really does. As we said previously, uh, rather than fundraise, we friend raise. So um, we've made a lot of connections. I think there was a really good point uh, just there earlier in the session that uh, we have five senses and we use two of them when we use Zoom or Teams. So to meet people, people would say it was difficult to quantify the importance about that. I think we'll quantify it by the things that are happening. So yes, definitely a lot of new friends, but I know of the 10 years we've coming, I know a few delegations are definitely coming to Ireland. Mm -hmm. uh, Whether companies here are looking for new customers or raising finance that they've made a lot of progress. Are there particular types of companies that, that come as a result of the work that uh, the Ireland Gateway to Europe trip does, or is it a mixed bag? It's a, it is a mixed bag. I mean, like anything from financial services, big here in Boston, life sciences, a lot of it is technology, though. A lot of it is technology, probably growing technology. Uh, probably the first foray overseas for US companies right now is Ireland. Um, and we've also said previously, and just to make the point, that Ireland, we believe, is the sixth or seventh largest investor in the US. And a lot of that is in technology. It's also in food uh, and food technology. So, no, it's, it's pretty much across the board. And it's not necessarily all wins for today. A lot of people spoke in there, including Bertie Hearn and Jim Keller here from Drift, about the, maintaining those relationships for our children's generation, truthfully. Mm -hmm. Truthfully, they're powerful, they're productive, they're enjoyable, uh, and they work. So it's not like, you know, we need to maintain this legacy, the privilege we've been given from this relationship. One of the things that struck me about this trip over the last few days is that every single person I've met, and I think I've said hello to pretty much everyone on the trip, they're proud to be flying the Irish flag. There's no tokenism, there's no one here, and they're kind of just gritting their teeth and getting through to it. There's a real sense of pride, and I think that does the country a service when it showcases what we do. That must be a great sense of satisfaction to yourself and the team who put this together, that everybody really does buy in and get involved. 100% and, and it is a team you know when, when we said nearly the first day emotionally the noise in the room when the 60 or 70 of us met up was was energizing it really was and and truthfully we're delighted that, that news talk are covering it you know we are delighted to share that positive story not in a happy clappy way you know not just because we hope that this will generate jobs but because maintaining this is relationship is a good thing to do Irish people in traveling overseas tends to be good fun anyway so it's been great that is AD McGuinness of Sigma recruitment explaining the work that gateway to europe does this delegation is made up of business people from all different industries looking to showcase what ireland can offer 
But another body that is based here in the US is Enterprise Ireland. And I met with Jenny Lynch, who is the Senior Vice President of Life Sciences at Enterprise Ireland, to find out what role they play in supporting Irish companies abroad. So Enterprise Ireland overall um, is the innovation arm of the Irish government. Um, So my role here is to work with Irish entrepreneurs and Irish innovators within the life sciences sector that are seeking to enter the US or expand within the US. So life sciences is kind of one of those umbrella terms whereby uh, you know it can mean a lot of different things. So underneath that umbrella of life sciences, we would work with companies focused on medtech, med device. We'd work with companies focused on clinical research and CMO. Uh, we'd work with companies on digital health, which is you know really trending at the moment as a result of the pandemic. Companies that are focused on telemedicine, wearables, connected health, that type of thing. So when we say life sciences, we mean the entire spectrum of, of uh, companies that are working within the, within the area. So it's a pretty broad portfolio. Um, I've met a number of companies over the last few days as part of the Gateway to Europe delegation here. And there's a mix of companies who are well established and they're flying the Irish flag. And then there's a mix of companies who are looking to enter the US. But it's such a huge place. How do you find the right market? How do you make the right connections? How do you ensure that you have all the sort of background admin stuff done right so you don't get caught out? Is that where you step in and kind of hold their hands through that process? Exactly. So really that's, you know, where Enterprise Ireland likes to to bridge the gap, so to speak. Um, And you're completely right. There are companies that are at various different levels of market readiness, we would say. So you would have companies that uh, would be looking to maybe just explore the landscape. You know, what does it look like? Where should I land? Where should I begin here in the US if you if you were to target this particular market? Um, And then we would have companies that would be, you know, very capable companies that you know certainly have a, a a strong strategy in place and simply need some assistance here and there so for the earlier stage companies we would try to come in and provide a, a base level of support for them now within the boston office we do this in a number of different ways last year for instance we held a medtech masterclass which was an event that we ran over three days it was virtual of course um, given the constraints of the pandemic um, but really we wanted to be able to provide companies with with the information that they would need so that when things did open back up again, they were ready to hit the ground running. So we would look at the different types of requirements from a legal perspective, visa perspective, soft landing spaces. How do you how do you get an office here? You know, if you're to target Massachusetts, any of the other states, you know, what are the pros and cons? What are the supports available? So we would engage with the connections that we would have here in the U.S. and we would look to facilitate and provide those connections to our companies seeking to enter. For those companies that are a little bit stronger and that are seeking, you know, maybe just for Enterprise Ireland to open a door here and there, then we're certainly well positioned to do so, um, particularly within the life sciences sector. We have very strong relationships across the medtech companies here, the pharmaceutical companies here, and the healthcare systems here in the US. So whenever companies come to us and say, you know, it'd be great if I can talk to such and such, we can typically look to, to provide that introduction and, and try and open that door on their behalf. And how consistent is the flow of companies from Ireland into the US and how consistent is that requirement for those connections? Because back home in Ireland, you know, if you go to Dublin, Galway, Cork, Limerick, there are tech meetups the entire time for those smaller companies. And that's where they can build up those connections. We're a great one for networking, whether it's over dinner, over a drink or over a coffee. So is this something that's consistent when it comes to the US and how much of an impact has the pandemic had on that? It is, you know, the word consistent, I think is probably putting it lightly. You know, it's one of the largest requests that we would have, you know, not only here in the Boston office and the Chicago office that that we have, but also throughout all six locations in the US. Um, You know, we would have companies that would come to us on a daily basis, you know, saying um, it'd be great to to chat with this particular person or my company is focused on this very niche area. Um, Do you have any connections there or is there an event taking place? Is there a conference? Is there a summit? Is there a forum? that 
I need to be aware of to make sure that my company and myself is speaking to the right people at the right time. So we are kind of constantly keeping our finger on the pulse for, for those particular types of opportunities on behalf of our companies. Um, and where and when possible, we always try and facilitate that, that warm kind of introduction on their behalf. So, you know, it is something that is uh, very frequently asked and it's something that we really work hard to, to be able to facilitate. On the other end then, from Enterprise Ireland's point of view, when you're engaging with those companies that the Irish want introductions to, what is the reception? Is Ireland on the radar, particularly when it comes to technology? We like to think of ourselves as, you know, the European Silicon Valley. Is that how we're viewed over in this part of the world? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I would say that the reception that we would get, you know, in terms of uh, coming from an Irish standpoint and in terms of being able to pitch Irish innovation and Irish technology is always incredibly well received. So if we look, for instance, here in Massachusetts at some of the large med tech companies, we have Medtronic, we have Boston Scientific. If we look at some of the large pharmaceutical companies, J&J, Stryker, those companies have a presence here. They also have a presence in Ireland. Um, if we take a look at the healthcare systems that we work with here, Mass General Brigham, Beth Israel Leahy, Boston Children's, you know, these are world-renowned healthcare facilities whereby our companies are engaging at various different levels, pilot studies, clinical trials, full technology implementation and rollout. So I think, you know, the reputation that Irish technology and Irish innovation has speaks for itself. And one thing to notice is that we did not we did not experience or see any type of slowdown during the pandemic with regards to the appetite for innovation, particularly Irish innovation. So Ireland was actually ranked sixth in a global ranking of uh, technology response to the pandemic. We have companies that were willing to deploy their technologies in terms of testing rollout for COVID-19 testing. We have companies that were deploying their technologies in terms of a digital hand washing. So entering healthcare systems and actually educating the, the clinicians there around how to properly wash your hands. Companies that focus around remote patient monitoring that were able to manage and rem remotely look after the long-term chronic illness of COVID-19 patients, easing the stress on healthcare systems. So, you know, certainly when we would knock on the doors and, and kind of pitch our Irish solution, it was very well received. And you mentioned there about the, the medtech space, and I know you're very much focused on the life sciences, but is that something that we're particular, particularly strong at um, back home? Because I do think I've interviewed members of the HSE before and the Department of Health, and they have spoken about you know, th this notion of the entrepreneur coming up with a solution based on personal health experiences or the health experiences of family members and so on but I've never sort of thought about how many of them make it to market. So are you seeing a big surge in that from Ireland at the moment? Absolutely. Um, you know, I would certainly say that, you know, on the life sciences side, from an Irish entrepreneurial perspective, we're incredibly strong. Um, you know, the, the technology and the innovation coming out of Ireland is really up there from a leading edge perspective. Um, you know, we saw that particularly over the past two years, whereby Irish companies, um, either traditionally within medtech or, or not, pivoted towards providing a solution from a pandemic standpoint and were able to do so and integrate very well into this particular industry on the strength of their capabilities, which is ultimately supported and, and assisted, you know, at a base level within Ireland. Um, so I do think that the supports provided, you know, within Ireland are exceptionally strong. And with that strong base and that strong support, we see our companies positioned here exceptionally well for success when they do look to enter the US market. And that really goes across the board. You know, I've mentioned a couple of different types of technologies here, but you know, companies that would be focused on med tech. So we have, you know, our orthopedic manufacturers, our, you know, ventilator manufacturers. We have the companies that would be focused around clinical trials and vaccine development. Um, Icon PLC, for instance, uh, you know, actually ran the Pfizer-BioNTech um, COVID-19 vaccine trials here in the US. Um, you know, we have companies that would be engaged, you know, along the digital technology spectrum. I've mentioned, you know, remote and wearables and connected, and we would have companies that would be operating at an incredibly high level within each of those different subsectors. Um, and finding success here in the US, you know, so it's not as if companies have a great idea, and as you said, you know, it does, does it go anywhere or do they make it to market? You know, we have found that um, the uptake for Irish technology here in the US is exceptionally strong. It's been a turbulent time um, 
from a political point of view of the last number of years between what was going on here in the States, uh, what was going on in the UK with Brexit, what's happening now in the situation with Ukraine. There's a lot going on. Is that slowing things down in terms of people looking to expand? Is there a fear factor? Is there a level of caution? Or are you, you know, are you still getting the sense that people are looking to grow and the US is the place to do it? So certainly, you know, it has been, um, you know, a, a very turbulent uh, t two years, a little over two years now, you know, including the pandemic and the other um, factors that you had mentioned. And, you know, certainly as an organization, we're acutely aware of all of those different factors. What I would say is that we're not experiencing a slowdown. Um, you know, I have often said that, you know, May, March 2020, uh, you know, the, the life sciences sector, Enterprise Ireland as a whole, um, you know, across all of our different subsectors, we really shifted gear and we haven't slowed down since then. Um, you know, I think the ambition and the collaboration that we see from Irish people in general, you know, is really um, marvelous and, and it's something that I've experienced myself here in the US focusing on, on, a, on the life sciences sector, but I know my, my colleagues have also experienced in the other sectors that Enterprise Ireland would work on. Um, you know, I always say that Irish um, entrepreneurs and Irish innovator, innovators certainly bring a certain level of ambition, um, you know, so you would have folks that would be at an incredibly early stage, but, you know, no hesitancy around, you know, requesting a, an, an appointment with the CEO of, of a large company. So, you know, there's certainly that ambition there and that hasn't gone away. And I think that Irish people and, and Irish innovators in particular have a great way of collaborating and, and seeking a solution regardless of the, of the issue that's in front of them. That was Jenny Lynch, the Senior Vice President of Life Sciences at Enterprise Ireland here in Boston. Coming up next here on News Talk, I'll chat to the founder of Wobot, which is working to keep people well using technology. Tech Talk on News Talk with VMware. Free your employees to work more securely from anywhere. Visit exertus.ie forward slash VMware. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. I am in Boston as part of Ireland Gateway to Europe. And over the last few days, I have met some incredible Irish companies representing the country abroad and showcasing what we have to offer. On Friday afternoon, I sat down with Alison Darcy, who's the founder and president of Wobot Health, to hear about their incredible success to date and what exactly it is they're trying to do. Wobot Health is a digital therapeutics company. Um, we are pioneering relational technology for the support of and treatment of uh, mental health problems. And how does technology and this solution apply to mental health and, you know, how do they talk to each other? That is a really good question. Technology's role in mental health is key in the earlier stages of when people experience problems because we actually know we have these great tools that work, something like cognitive behavioural therapy, dialectical behavioural therapy. There are some amazing approaches. But here's the thing about traditional therapy um, unless you are sitting beside your patient when they are going through something like a panic attack or they're struggling to get out of bed, we actually leave clinical value on the table. What technology can do, if designed very well and ethically, um, it can actually be there in those moments of need. It can talk somebody through how to use their own resources to get through it. And that's kind of what we know ultimately leads to symptom reduction and reduction of suffering in the population overall. So it's about those people that can make use of tools earlier on in the course of when they're experiencing challenges and stress and anxiety like we all do, such that they can avoid then needing to see a person. Some people will always need to see therapists and we're never, we're always going to need our precious human resources in that respect. But we have to get better at enabling people, empowering people to use really high quality tools if they are going to convey some benefit and, and get them well and get them plugged back into their life as fast as possible. And this is such an important space because I am the worst person for this. But if, I, if anything happens to me, the first thing I do is Google what I feel or how I feel or what is wrong with me. And you get brought down so many rabbit holes. And that's an example of tech not necessarily being the best place for this. But in the instance of, um, you know, proper tech tools that have medical research behind them, that have 
proper supports in place you know if something does go up a notch that is vital and i think we probably need to communicate to people a bit more that it is beyond dr google now there are ways of doing things that actually provide benefits and stand to you in the long run they give you lifelong tools that's right there's there's a way i mean technology is just a tool like any others and you know it depends on what you build and how you build it and as you said you know taking the time to clinically validate what you do but there's opportunities that the technology itself affords that we don't get with the in-person setting and a really good example that i like to think about is for our postpartum product um that is you know going through fda uh, clearance there's a tool there that for women who are struggling with um, feeling disconnected from their baby and Wobot will actually talk them through a mindfulness technique while they are sitting there with their child and encourage them to you know it's basically it's creating a moment of mother infant bonding now what's interesting about that is first of all you would never think that a software can help you with something as human as bonding mm -hmm. with your baby but secondly it's enabled because there's no one else in the room except for mom and baby and that's precious it creates this intimacy that i think would be really hard to do in a traditional therapeutic setting because there would be by definition another person in the room and so you know so this really special moment and um it's also judgment free though as well because i know right. of mothers who struggle and have struggled with that and even building up the courage and the confidence to say to someone i'm struggling to bond with my child mm -hmm. it's very difficult because even though these are professionals and they will not judge you we're all human and that is a fear factor so having a platform right. like that where you're on your own, there's no judgment, and you know that nobody, nobody else cares because it's just you and your baby. Hundred percent. Like that's 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 exactly what it's right. That there's this really unique opportunity with something that can show up in a way that can empathise and can demonstrate really deep knowledge of the lived experience of what you're going through. But it's not human. There is that. It's a sweet spot. So there's, and it's about it's not being a replacement for a human. It's about what is the advantage that the technology can convey uh, versus the very specific advantages that human relationships can convey and understanding when one is a versus the other um, so yeah what one of the most interesting data points that we have that we published a few months ago in the scientific literature was Wobot is capable of developing a therapeutic bond with users that is non-inferior to that that's created between therapists and their patients and when you look at how it's measured what you know we used a working alliance inventory which is one of the really industry standard ways of looking at therapeutic bond or mm. therapeutic alliance as we call it it's things like Wobot's not going to judge me even if I do something that Wobot thinks I shouldn't do and you know Wobot understands where I'm coming from Wobot you know it can hear me is listening is empathic um, and it turns out you can build those things in technology and the reason why that's important is because it opens up the potential for greater outcomes right because digital tools have always been limited in the fact that they are digital and they are not human but why wouldn't we build digital tools in such a way that respects the person respects their autonomy checks in you know sees us understands us deeply that's where we actually need to go if these tools are going to be helpful and as we and i've spoken about this quite a bit on the show this week but as we kind of emerge from the pandemic cloud a lot of people who never experienced mental health difficulties did to some extent a lot of people not everybody but some people did whether that was deep loneliness whether that was you know a crashing in confidence like there are so many things that a lot of us would probably dismiss as being like i need to get over myself having something like this is probably beneficial because it's a good first port of call if you don't necessarily need medical intervention as in you know reaching out to a GP or going to an A&E, but you still need to talk something through or you need to get guidance on how to just deal with these momentary blips that every single person on this planet gets. This is a good way of maybe alleviating some of the stress and the pressure from our health service. That's right. I mean, that's why, that's why we do what we do. But mm -hmm. the interesting thing about technology is like and this sort of irony of mental health care is that those moments where you need to remember what your therapist taught you and try and you know do the techniques that they were telling you to do the moments when you need to do those 
are the hardest moments to remember what to do because you're distressed and you know our brains aren't working that well when we're distressed so that's what we tried to do with Wobot was like how can we show up in a way that people can meaningfully use those tools in that actual moment of need and it turns out being conversational reaching out to someone like a human like hey how are you how's it going uh, was just it's very easy for us we are relational beings as humans and conversation we've been conversing for 200,000 years so it turned out that that was a simple way to start now it is limited of course it's never going to be the same experience as talking to a human but that actually means it's easier for lots of people mm. to reach out in that moment which is so important because we keep saying things like, you know, when you're upset, you should talk to somebody. But that actually alienates so many people for whom that's just not possible, whether it's because it's 3 a.m. or they they can't pick up the phone and feel like they can reach out to another human. So Wobot will always encourage that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we at, at the same time, we recognize we need to meet people where they're at yeah. in that moment. Mm-hmm. In terms of communicating this type of approach to mental health, are certain generations more open to it than others? Because even the notion of, you know, a few years ago, seeing your GP via your laptop, it was completely new age. And I think bit by bit, it's becoming normalized, particularly since the pandemic. But when it comes to mental health, I guess we all have that image of, you know, from the Sopranos of, you know, Tony sitting in the room opposite his therapist and that's what therapy is. So how are you communicating this message and how is it going down with the different uh, sort of parts of society? It's so funny because that archetype of what therapy is is so strong in people's minds that so many of the press articles that have been written about us are accompanied by, you know, an illustration of a robot in, you know, the proverbial therapist chair and, you know, a person laid out on the couch. You know, it, it's just such a strong image that and, and it's such a strong image because we yeah, that's how we think about therapy. The truth is more contemporary therapeutic approaches are much more based on what is happening in the here and now. How are you thinking? How is that thinking distorted or through a lens that isn't helping you right now? What are the things that you are doing that is feeding in to, you know, Um, it's like undermining yourself and and can we just adjust those things a little bit and it's about the sort of the the healthier habits day to day Um, and and technology is really good at that the the repetitive practice the being sort of data driven Um, but yeah I mean I think any resistance we've ever encountered I've never been able to not sit down with somebody and share with them what we're doing and and the premise i think it very much helps that we're coming from a very strong scientific foundation that we are we're not just evidence-based but we're actually taking the time to do the randomized trials because it's slow and it's and it's hard um and it 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 doesn't make you grow really quickly but it's the right thing to do if you want to build something that's going to be sustained and it's going to be adopted in healthcare like with healthcare you can't move fast and break things you're moving slowly and validating things mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's a very appropriate way um, but yeah I mean I think where we've seen resistance it's both mostly based on um, a misinterpretation of what we're doing one of the things I think it's really important for Wobot to do is c- call out the limitations of a service so if somebody comes and Wobot thinks that they might be in a crisis moment well what will be the first to say look I, I, I actually this is you're going through something that I cannot help with and I will encourage that person to to reach out to another person and provides you know resources and ideas for that um, so the role of technology and understanding the role of technology is as important as the clinical outcomes that you get I think it's great. I I love hearing about solutions like this because I find sometimes technology is almost cast aside as being part of the problem. And to a certain extent it is, right? Absolutely. But it's not the only problem in life. And there's people who have never encountered or interacted with technology and still face problems. So looking at how we can be part of the solution, I think, is vital. I agree. And I think it's the communication of how and when and like even a small thing, and I don't know if this is a competitor of yours, but the CAM app, right? I pay for the CAM app. Every day at 7 p.m., I get a notification saying, time to check in, how are you feeling today? And it is a small little yep. practice. That's right. And it's not because I've been going through anything or anything like that. It's just a, how was my day today? Yep. Because we run from A to B to That's C right. to D to E, and keep going, keep going, keep going. And I think taking that moment to pause, 
and reflect is super important, particularly when we are so busy with all of our technology. That's right. Um, Robot does exactly the same thing. Reach out. How are you? Because it's not just get tracking your mood mm -hmm. it's a moment of self-reflection that we just don't get these days you're right there's so many things vying for our attention and pinging constantly um yeah technology is part of the problem no doubt you know i often joke like the phone is our you know digital ball and chain and yet we're still carrying them around in our pockets so it's we've got to get more nuanced in our understanding of you know how technology can show up in a way that's helpful mm -hmm. um and then just you know, develop better resources for really limiting the stuff that's unhelpful. Mm -hmm. For sure. That's our responsibility as, as, as technology developers, right? A hundred percent. And I think it's great to see uh, yourself and your team doing that in such a responsible way, but also in an exciting way and doing it in, in an innovative way, uh, which I think is just brilliant. Um, can I ask what has you here as part of the Gateway to Europe delegation? Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I was invited to be part of this uh, technology panel this morning and um, I was actually here with my team. Uh, we had a, an offsite in Boston for the last uh, three days, which has been really, really fun. There's nothing like seeing people in 3D, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, Robert invited me and it's just um, a big privilege for me actually to be on the stage and representing women in tech, representing Irish people in tech. Um, and talking about really the future of work. Yeah, the guys from uh, Sigmar who are, have obviously arranged uh, this entire event, they're very passionate about ensuring that you know all voices are brought to the table and that we can talk about it. But one thing that has struck me over the last few days is just the community and the, and yeah. the willingness to share stories. Is that beneficial from your point of view as uh, as someone who's leading a company to hear from others and talk through issues and identify other possibilities that may not have crossed your mind before? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this the there was a lot of discussion this morning about you know building diversity into our teams and just you know the importance of diversity, which of course five years ago we saw as a really competitive advantage that you know we were uh, trying to fill our recruitment pipeline with um, underestimated populations um, because it's just a competitive advantage that pe nobody is there and it was really strange. Now I think you know, people realize that diverse teams are. Um, are better for your business. Diverse teams are create better problems, better uh, solve problems more efficiently, create better solutions, um, and that's part of why it's really good to be here in these forums and and hearing other voices and seeing other people on the stage. That was Alison Darcy, the founder and president of Wobot Health, speaking to me here at the Ireland Gateway to Europe event in Boston. Tech Talk on News Talk. With VMware, free your employees to work more securely from anywhere. Visit exertus.ie forward slash VMware. Welcome back to Tech Talk, Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. I'm coming to you from Boston this week as part of Gateway to Europe, which is looking to secure foreign direct investment for Ireland. We were in Chicago earlier in the week, and I'm going to press pause on the Tech Talk just for a quick minute. And we're going to find out more about the Windy City. I met with Jim Mayer, who's the interim CEO and CFO of Chew Chicago. Very simply, Chew Chicago is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Chicago. So we basically sell Chicago to the world uh, and to trying to get the domestic and business uh, trailer to come visit our beautiful city. So we're here as part of the uh, Gateway to Europe event. We're meeting delegates and businesses uh, here in Chicago. And I'm, I'm curious to kind of know what are the key selling points uh, for your city? So I've been here for about 16 hours. I've already seen the bean. Mm -hmm. uh, I went obviously around Millennium Park, but what are the must sees and must do's when you come to the city? Oh, well. You know, that depends on what you like to do. Chicago really is a city for everybody. We have something for whomever or whatever you want to do. Our cultural attractions from our museums, uh, both the Field Museum of Natural History, the Museum of Science and Industry, our world-famous Art Institute, to our, our, our local museums of African-American art and history, along with the uh, Hispanic uh, National Museum of Mexican Art. Uh, beautiful places to visit. Uh, you touched upon the Bean, that's one of my favorite places. Chicago also is known for its music venues, our live music. You know, we're coming into the summer of festivals now. Festival seasons are starting here in Chicago. Uh, so no matter when you're here, you're going to be able to find either, you know, a local street festival with local bands and local foods, or you'll find festivals such as Lollapalooza and Riot Fest 
Uh, a new one that's coming here this year is Sueños. It's a festival of Latin music being held over Memorial Day weekend. So those are a couple of the neat things to do. Um, this year in Chicago, it's the year of Chicago dance. So if you're a dance aficionado, come to Chicago. We've got the Hubbard Dance Theater. Uh, we've got Joffrey Ballet to, to local, local dance troops. Um, our, our cultural assets involving our theater scene are incredible. You know, we've got Broadway shows to the local storefront theaters, to Second City and, and local improvs. Uh, so much to see and do in the city. It's, there's not enough time to tell you everything to do. I can tell you a couple of my favorite things. One of my favorite things is Lincoln Park Zoo. It's right on the. It's right on Lake Michigan, so you've got a beautiful lake there to to see in the background. It's free to the traveler, and it's a world-class zoo. And then from there, you can walk into some of our neighborhoods. You know, Chicago is a very walkable city. Whereas we're a city, we like to say that Chicago is a city of stories, and the traveler can make their own story depending on what they want to do. Uh, we have over 77 neighborhoods, and each neighborhood has its own individual vibe. Uh, you know, full of restaurants and, and and bars and theaters, local boutiques things for you to do and see. Uh, you know, another thing about Chicago is you have tons and tons of public art. Just in the downtown area alone, there's over 100 different areas where you can see public sculptures. And our murals, if you walk around, you can see murals everywhere in the city. Neighborhoods are full of murals. Uh, so if you're into street art, you know, you can go into Pilsen and look at the street art and then go grab a taco and, and just and, and, and soak in the local culture and, and, and the vibe in the areas. What are the key industries here? Um, so where I'm from in Dublin, we are a big tech town. We've got a lot of the big tech companies, the European HQs are in our city. What are the key industries here in the Windy City? <laughs> we have several Fortune 500 companies here. Boeing is here, United Airlines is here. So those are two of the bigger ones. The hospitality industry itself in the city of Chicago employs over 100,000 people just the hospitality industry. So that's the local hotels, the restaurants, the dance, and the theaters. So that, they employ over 100,000 people just in one tiny industry. But then you also have the banking centers here. So we have finance here. We have some tech hubs. We have a big tech hub downtown, 1871. You know, that's an incubator for startups. So that's a wonderful thing. Uh, Google has, has a building here. Uh, so there's, there's all sorts of different tech. But then you have your old school here too. You know, there are manufacturing facilities scattered throughout the city. Uh, there's a lot of startups. You have a lot of uh, financial services firms. So uh, once again, you know, we're a world-class city with a world-class economic base. And are companies, are, are people opting to base themselves here? Are people choosing Chicago over the likes of, you know, whether it's New York, Boston, and so on, or is it homegrown talent that's being developed in the city? Well, it's funny you mention that because just last night I, I was at a um, town hall to talk about bringing a casino to Chicago. And they mentioned that in the past year, 173 companies chose to relocate to Chicago or expand their employment base in Chicago. So now obviously some of those that were expanding were already here in Chicago, but other ones did move into Chicago. So I think it's a vibrant place for business, current, and any potential new business to come to Chicago. Part of, our, uh, of the mission of the Gateway to Europe uh, group is to try and encourage companies to come to Ireland, not necessarily move up, but mm -hmm. to, to look at what we have to offer. Is the relationship between Ireland and Chicago, is that something that's known or is that just us wanting to feel special? No, I, I think it's known. Um, Chicago has a large base of Irish people in the city. And I, I believe that you know, from a tourism standpoint, Ireland pre-COVID was the 12th largest destination origination point for visitors to Chicago. And we anticipate by 2025, that's gonna be more than double. So uh, the people in Ireland wanna to come to Chicago. Chicago has a lot to offer to them, but also there's a lot of visibility of people in Chicago wanting to go to Ireland. Now, as I told you earlier, myself, I'm planning on coming here this summer and visit with my family. And I've got a lot, you know, I'm half Irish. Actually, I'm more than half Irish, so there's a big desire on our part to go there. And there's still strong enclaves of Irish people here in Chicago. That they currently, I, I think they represent about 8 or 9% of the total population of Chicago, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you do the numbers, that means there's almost 200,000 people that are Irish, Irish heritage living here in the city. Mm -hmm. And as you, as you can tell from St. Patrick's Day here in Chicago, what a large celebration it is. So, on that day, everybody's Irish in Chicago. 
So, you know, but I, I think there's, there's a great desire to, to learn more about Ireland and, and, and what it has to offer. Mm -hmm, for sure. Uh, you mentioned there the pandemic. How has, uh, or how have things been post-pandemic here in the city? And are you feeling the impacts of it? Did you lose a lot of businesses, restaurants, and so on during that time? We did. Uh, the pandemic, especially from a hospitality and tourism standpoint, devastated the industry here in Chicago. I, basically, we were shut down for almost two whole years. Uh, you know, there were, you couldn't go in to restaurants, you could not eat in, in restaurants. I'm sure it was the same over in Ireland. So it, it really had a hard time. But one thing that came out of it that's good is, is it forced restaurateurs and people in the hospitality industry to learn to pivot quickly and, and change the way they do business to reflect the reality of the society at the time. So was it devastating? Yes. Are we coming back? Yes. We're very optimistic about the future. Uh, we look and we think we're going to be back to pre-COVID levels here in Chicago by the end of 2024. And the, the way the trends are going right now, you're going coming back faster than we thought. Chicago itself, when it did reopen last summer, then it closed down and instituted a mask mandate and a vaccine mandate. So you couldn't get anywhere without wearing a mask and showing proof of vaccine. Chicago lifted that in the end of February of 2022. And we've seen steady growth in, in visitation and in hotel tax receipts and restaurant tours and number of covers has steadily grown since then. So there's definitely a pent up desire for people to get out and do things and travel. And, and we're very optimistic that it's going to be that way for the rest of the year and then 2023 and 24 and 24 also. That was Jim Mayer, the interim CEO of Choose Chicago. But back to Boston, which is where I am sitting right now as part of Ireland Gateway to Europe. As I speak, delegates are meeting at a tech breakfast, sharing ideas, anecdotes, and finding ways to help each other in a post-pandemic world. One of the big topics that has come up over the last number of days is the trend around well-being and health. Earlier in the program, we heard from Alison Darcy about how Wobot is working to keep people well on their platform. But earlier in the week, I met with Siobhan Gahan, who's the global lead of foreign direct investment at VHI, who told me more about the work that she's doing as part of this Gateway to Europe trip. Well, VHI has been uh, part of the Gateway trade delegation since it started. Um, I've moved into this role in the last three years, but VHI has always been part of this journey to and fro between Ireland and the US. And what maybe some of your listeners mightn't be aware of is that uh, VHI, obviously huge part of our business is dealing with customers who purchase health insurance for themselves and their families but we also have a large volume of companies who pay for healthcare benefits to look after their employees and a huge number of those are US multinational companies um, and obviously a lot of them are based here in Boston, in Chicago and right throughout the, the states. So when we come as part of the delegation, we're obviously um, shaking the Ireland flag. Um, we're obviously meeting other companies who are talking about coming to Ireland, but we're also seeing how our clients are doing. And we get a great amount of enjoyment out of, you know, looking after healthcare, part, uh, you know, looking after a company who comes to Ireland and seeing them grow out their operation over time. It's really, uh, it's really good for Ireland as an economy, and it's obviously good for business for us as well. So you mentioned you've been, or VHI has been involved in this since the uh, the initiative started ten years ago. Healthcare has, I think, uh, climbed on people's priorities when they are looking. You know, we've heard quite a, li a lot on this program and on Future of Work here on News Talk that you know the the foosball table and the beer on a Friday matters less and less, particularly post pandemic. Healthcare, mental health, work life balance are all very high on people's priorities. Is that something that you are uh, connecting with with the US companies who are looking to base themselves or have a base in Ireland? Absolutely. Healthcare, believe it or not, for the US companies has always been very high on the agenda because healthcare and cost of health insurance in the States is very high. But um, definitely companies now looking to locate in any country will look to see what sort of healthcare system is in place to support their people. And VHI obviously has a very good story to tell on that. We've made huge investment into our 360 healthcare model of care but very importantly it's based on a US model of care that really resonates with those US clients but it also has a, 
I suppose, a, a secondary impact in so far as it positions Ireland as a, a good go-to destination for these companies because they look to harmonise their benefits globally. So if you work for a US company, they expect their, their people to be able to access healthcare at the same level throughout all of their markets. And for the companies that uh, you are engaging with and for the bodies that you're engaging with, uh, both you know from Ireland, because there's a lot of those here, uh, but also in the States as well, are there trends that have emerged post-pandemic, or I know we're not completely away from the pandemic yet, but in the aftermath of the pandemic that will you know shape what matters most to employees, but also to employers over the next wee while? Sure, there's been a huge shift in emphasis on, first of all, supporting employees' mental health and also the rise of digital health and, and um, health tech in general. Um, that's really been catapulted to the forefront of employers' minds because essentially they want to be able to um, give their people access to care at a, at a place uh, in point where they work. Uh, remote working has kind of disrupted that whole model. Not everybody is now based in the office. Historically, companies would organise maybe health and wellbeing talks for their employees while they're in the office. Now all of that's shifted to digital and remote and the rise of telehealth really is here to stay. Is that something that people are comfortable with? Because I remember covering the emergence of this uh, telehealth and the notion of seeing a GP via a computer from the comfort of your home. People were a bit apprehensive. They didn't quite understand that they could get the same level of care in most instances um, in those scenarios but the pandemic forced us to embrace it. So is that something that is very much here to stay? Uh, I would, in my opinion, I think yes. I think definitely uh, that, uh, I suppose, going to the doctor for certain medical conditions will always stay, but those high frequency, you know, quick call into your doctor um, or looking to speak to an expert about a particular issue that's relevant to you can very easily be facilitated through digital health or, te or telehealth or telemedicine. Um, and I suppose who would have realised that, you know, when the, the, the pandemic uh, arrived that, you know, overnight corporate Ireland would be all shifting to working remote. So I think uh, some of these kind of new ways of operating will stay and some will probably become more hybrid but definitely in our opinion digital health and uh, digital medicine is here to stay it'll be just part of the ecosystem of how people access and uh, you know use their healthcare. it's not going to be the only way they, they interact but it will be definitely a key element and how much are you and does vhi support individual organizations with creating that culture and that system of well-being for individuals is it a case of one size fits all or is there an element of tweaking to ensure that it's the right fit essentially we work very closely with the hr teams within each of the organizations and while the products and services that we deliver are are very um i suppose scalable they're very much tailored to the individual customer so um certain organizations have certain ways of framing how they speak to their employees, how they call, uh, you know, what, what they call their new hires or their induction programs. And so we really, uh, I suppose, tailor everything to, to line up with the engagement programs that they have within the, each of the organisations. Another trend that became very apparent in the last five years was the importance of diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And that's not about tokenism. It's not about just filling seats and ticking boxes. It's about finally sitting up and acknowledging that there are benefits to your business when you have different voices, different points of view around the one table. This is something that I know that you're quite passionate about. Um, can you just sort of reinforce and explain to us why this matters and how much more we still have to do in this space? Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, obviously everybody realises that uh, a diverse workforce is a lot more productive and um, is a lot more successful. but. The whole DNI and equality has really come to the forefront in terms of again attracting the right talent to help companies grow out their business. But this, uh, you know, it's no longer a token. It's it's a, a real key tool in um, growing your business. VHI, for example, have a, a number of employee resource groups, and I was very fortunate uh, to chair the Women's Network uh, in VHI, and I've just finished a term on that. But essentially. Uh, 
diversity and inclusion for us isn't just about you know having a, a diverse and inclusive workforce for our colleagues it's also about having that mindset when we're looking at developing products and services for our customers um, how do we build those elements into the products and services to ensure that um, it kind of reflects it makes good business sense at every level it's not just about looking after employees it's also about how you interact with your customers and um, how you meet their needs yeah uh, another point that I want to touch upon briefly is that we've spoken a lot in, about the medtech space here on Tech Talk over the last number of years, and a trend that I think is creeping up more and more is preventative healthcare. So about keeping people well for longer. It's not about just putting a band-aid when they fall, it's about preventing it in the first place. Do you see technology being a key enabler in sort of unlocking that full potential, which will take pressure off the HSE, it'll keep people fit and well and all the rest for much longer which makes sense for everybody. Absolutely. In fact, as an organisation, our mission is to help our customers live longer, stronger, healthier lives. And um, essentially, from a, 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 I suppose, um, a healthcare system perspective, the more we can keep uh, people healthy and keep them out of the, the healthcare system, it allows us to use our resources in the areas that they're needed most. Um, I just find fascinating that whole med tech, health tech, and, you know, part of the business. But in particular, if just referring back to your your diversity and inclusion piece, it's really interesting to see on the gateway that you know there's some female founders in health tech. We'll be talking to Alison Darcy tomorrow on Wobot Health, and Alison would have set up uh, Wobot Health out of San Francisco, and she's now got an office in Ireland. But also other kind of uh, trailblazers are the likes of Kira Clancy from Beats Medical, which is again a diagnostic therapeutic company. And Ireland is really, uh, you know, punching, you know, above its weight in terms of this whole health tech space. You see the likes of companies like Health Beacon and Let's Get Checked. They're all uh, just become unicorns. And I was reading a report recently where apparently the future of, of health tech is in femtech, which is meeting the needs of uh, female patients. And some uh, industry experts anticipate that that market will be worth a trillion dollars within the next five years. So very interesting. Um, keep it, uh, we are keeping a close eye on how things are, are evolving and making sure that we're kind of building those uh, new developments into how we interact with our customers. And that's so important because although healthcare has been around for such a long time, it's not a perfect system in any country in the world. Nobody is nailing it. But I do think the point that you've just made there about uh, women's health in particular is fascinating. There are so many reports and studies that you can read that will say that, you know, women may not get listened to in the same way or they may get the wrong diagnosis because they're not heard out in the right capacity. I do think we are sort of still in a phase of change in that way. But it must be good to be working in healthcare at a time when change is continuing to happen and, you know, positive steps are being made. Absolutely. Uh, I actually th feel privileged working in the healthcare space because our job really, it make, we're making a difference to people's lives. It's really fulfilling, you know, to see somebody going into a hospital and using services and being able to, I suppose, support them and their families at a time that can be very, very stressful. So it is, I think it's a very rewarding space to, to operate in. And I think definitely the adaption of technology to be able to kind of uh, ensure that there's access for everybody is kind of, I think, is here to stay. That was Siobhan Gatton, Global Lead of Foreign Direct Investment at VHI, speaking to me as part of the Ireland Gateway to Europe delegation. And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by GoLoud. I want to say a huge thank you to Aidy, to Jamie and to Robbie for looking after me this week. It has just been an incredible experience. Uh, I met so many wonderful people more of which you will hear on next week's program. Uh, but just thanks so much to the entire team at Sigmar for looking after us so well. I will be back in Ireland with Shane and Kira on Monday morning. But in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your weekend.